Yes, of course. Burl Bearer. <laughs> I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply the microphone. Ah, uh, that's what you think. <laughs> we, we took your microphone when you weren't looking. How many wives did Roger Moore have? 17. Thanks, thank you. Yeah. That's Howard Lapidus, manager of the star, who keeps track of that. I do. You know, there is a website that tells you who the celebrities are dating yeah. and who they've been married to. Can you go to that website for what? No, but someone said, Burl, do you realize you're on there? Oh, why? <laughs> and that's what I said, why? And they said, because you're obviously a celebrity. So I looked, and sure enough, it said that uh, uh, who I'd been married to and who I was divorced and who I was last seen stupid. Is that right? Yeah. Who put that there? I Is have no idea. Either of us, Burl? Yeah, was I thrown under a bus? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, that's Mark C.G. Boyer, our fact checker. And if I was doing the official opening of this show, I would say that we are nestled in our secret bunker somewhere in the Los Angeles area. The show is called True Crime Uncensored. Our producer is Magic Matt Allen, famous for, dare I say it, playing the hits. And uh, I'm famous for being obnoxious, according to the reviews on iTunes. Obnoxiously playing the hits. Bro. Yeah, obnoxiously playing the hits. Remember those days, bro? Yeah, I remember. I was just reading one of my old brave reviews from the Seattle Times. Is that right? Yeah. What did it say? It said that I was uh, too young to be this old. <laughs> when was that? That was uh, 1970, I think. Okay. 69, 70, 71. Said I was one of the wittiest radio personalities in Seattle, which isn't saying much. Says nothing. <laughs> it says, no, it's, <laughs> it says zero. Nice. Nothing. Although you did have Morton and Hardwick and uh, had some great talent. Uh, Larry Lujak. Oh, and, and the legendary Jerry Kane. Don't forget Pat O'Day. And Pat Buffini. Yeah. Yeah. They call him Kevin O'Brien. Kevin uh, O'Brien. Little squeaky voice Kevin. One Hi, of the many, uh, I'm Kevin. One of the three Kevin O'Briens. Yeah. <laughs> there were three Kevin O'Brien? At least. At least. Yeah. Why, why do disc jockeys have those kind of names? Like Pat O'Day and... Burl Bear? No, not Burl Bear, but Michael O'Shea, yeah. Jerry Kay, Pat O'Day, Turan Bay. I was Michael O'Shea, Jay Richards. Uh, How about Triple J? Uh, John Lurie. I got to think of them all. They all have names of that part of the world. Yep. Very ethnoid. While you're while you're vamping, I want you to know your guest is waiting patiently. Oh, your guest oh, is going to wait very guest. patiently because we're having a special Christmas episode. I'm going to uh, mention a few Christmassy things. Is that right? Yeah, because, you see, uh, people should buy books this holiday season. You may have relatives that are totally illiterate. So let me get this straight. we got three Jews doing the show, and you're going to do a big Christmas. Uh... Hey, Hanukkah's over, you know, and Purim's past. Yes. The ghost of Purim past. Yes. <laughs> have you seen that movie, Home for Purim? Yes. So have I. Yeah. We all have. We all have. Matt, have you seen it? No, he hasn't. He hasn't? It's actually called Home for Purim. Yeah. <laughs> With the lesbian. Uh, it's oh, a God. Thing. God, it's good. It is really good. <laughs> I can't sure. see it being that good. I saw it. it I saw it, but I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It figures. Yeah, I would. Uh, Why don't okay. we get to the show? Well, get to the show. Uh, there's some great new books out. Hello? There's some great new books out that you should buy in addition to all of mine. First, you buy all of mine and give them as gifts. Stocking you're starting stuffers, right off the top today. Bonus rippers, whatever it is you're going to do with You're them. hawking your crap Oh, right you off bet the I am. Man. Because there's a lot of competition out there. We got Evil Guardian by Scott Bond. Now, Scott Bond, we've had on the show a dozen times. Right. The guy is brilliant. Yes. Former NBC executive who quit the world of media yes. to become a social 
sociologist and went, boy, the world's sicker than I thought. And went back to media because <laughs> it, that's even sicker. That's right. Uh, his new book, Evil Guardian, is actually inspired by true facts and distorted by fiction. And uh, it's his first uh, you know, thing into writing a novelized factual fiction or whatever you call it. Well, what do and, you call it? Uh, it's called Evil Guardian. And uh, it's very, very good. I actually read an advanced copy of the book. Made a few helpful suggestions, like go back to being a sociologist. <laughs> no, I, is that what you said to him? No, I told him it was good. It oh, is, you did? It is fascinating. Now, were you story. lying, or did you really mean it was good? No, it's just he knows how to write, this guy. He's no dumbbell. I'm aware of that. Yeah. But tell me what was so good about this book. The plot. Okay, next. Next. Pathological. Now, this, is, this one is really hot stuff. According to uh, Steve Jackson, this book is one of the best written true crime books since he read one of mine. <laughs> oh, you see, it was sounding so good until you got to that part. I added that part. Yeah. Uh, it's about, uh, but this guy's really pathological. It's a true story. Dr. Anthony Garcia, attended the University of California, Davis, graduated uh, University of Utah Medical School, and then he went, uh, obviously, uh, batshit. <laughs> oh, that's a, I love the way you do the show. Anything else you got to say? Yeah, he murdered. He gets fired from the university, so he starts murdering everybody. Is he the one on the yeah, phone? Yeah, that's him. Okay. So Batshit Man is on the phone? No, the Batshit Man is not on I the know, phone. Well, then, then who is on the phone? You'll find out. Just be patient. <laughs> the impatient ghost of Ponica's past. What do we got there? Oh, Hi, welcome to the world of True Crime Uncensored. Uh, Frank uh, Frank Hagen just walked in wearing his uh, his, uh, his tutu. His, no, he's wearing a Where's Waldo outfit. No, he looks exactly like the uh, the, the Prince of uh, he Christmas actually, Past. He can't afford a tutu. Now, he's we're, wearing a one one. The one yeah. one. Now yeah. onesie. Uh, you know there are Christmas miracles, right? Not mackerels. Like what's the name of that group? I believe in mackerels. New sexy thing. What's that group? Uh, hot, hot, chocolate. hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. I thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> So you can always we count got, on... We both got it. Yeah, okay. A couple idiot disc jockeys. Yes. Yeah, we get it every time. I believe in mackerels. Where there are Christmas miracles, and our guest today is going to share with us a true Manhattan Christmas miracle. Tell us the story so we may be inspired. Tell us who our guest is. Oh, you'll find out. Oh, next. Hit it! Guys. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Punch approved. Yeah. How did I know I'm it was happy? him? <laughs> did you know? I knew it was him. Are you guys happy to hear from me? Because you're on every other show. <laughs> well, this show is, is, is special because it, it, it has to do with Christmas and and it has to do with an actual real miracle that happened during a heist. That's and a that's good why. place for it to happen. No, well, you see. You guys, you guys see Burrow, and and you don't know what's going on, you know, behind the scenes. <laughs> if I give you a recap uh, from the last time that I was on the show, um, I got totally 20, 20 minutes ago. inspired, <laughs> going to Art Basel, and seeing a lot of new artists, you know, and and Burrow knows the story that when my life started, that's all I wanted to do was to do art. And to you know, to pursue what my my mother and my father both, well, what I thought they both did, but we find out that that's not the case, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what did they so, do? For the sh- for the sake, I know what they did, but for the sake of the audience. Okay, well, this is I'm going to throw the ball back to Burl because I'm going to let him do the setup, and then you'll do the payoff with the Christmas miracle. 
He no, thought his folks were legitimate business people. <laughs> I want you to give introduction to the new listeners. Okay. All right, I'll do it. I'll do it. You don't have to sell it. I'll do it. Ladies and gentlemen, this young man who you so despise, or admire as the case may be, was raised by a wonderful couple. The father was handsome, the mother was good-looking, they had money, they had wealth, they had prestige in New York High Society. They had at least five offices in the Diamond District alone. They owned a fortune in real estate. They were loved and they were respected and they were probably the most altruistic outlaws in the history of America. And conspiring together with their friends, they stole over one billion dollars in diamonds, cash, and precious gems from their willing victims in New York's Diamond District. And this is their son who thought his folks were legitimate until a guy pulled him aside and said, you know what your dad really does for a living? He's the ultimate gentleman thief. And he never got caught, never got arrested. Well, got arrested on something else, parking tickets. Never went to prison, got away with everything, and is currently retired in Yugoslavia and has invited me to go fishing with him, <laughs> which I think is very nice of him. Uh, this is their son who followed in his father's footsteps, but unfortunately didn't quite have his father's rare luck. Je, je, je ne sais quoi. Yeah, well, he didn't even speak. Well, he does speak French. This fellow uh, not only uh, is a master thief and a master safecracker, uh, master of his domain, but also was educated at the most expensive private school in the world, where he uh, got great grades, received various medals in sports from the Queen and the Princess. He taught Roger Moore how to ski, which is very nice. What, what did you play? I didn't know that, Punch. What was your sport? My sport was tennis and skiing. Okay. Next. Yeah, I was top. Uh, I was in the top uh, ranking juniors, you know, and these two. Uh, you know, it costs money to go on ski races, and right. the school used to sponsor us. And it was just a fantastic time growing up in, in that era. I mean, listen, this is MTV just came out, 1985, you know? I am a young kid that just learned how to break dance, you know, from New York and hip-hop, so it's very popular over there. And uh, I'm, go I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to school with... With people that are that are semi royalty and uh, come from extremely extreme wealth, you know that's that's for one. And uh, for two, it's maybe just I was only I was probably like the only American kid. Maybe one other person was from America, but mostly everybody was just an international student from uh, Saudi Arabia, Dubai, Kuwait, you know, uh, uh, France, Germany, all the countries. And it was a nice experience. I did uh, four years in Switzerland in these private schools. And I thought I was going to continue <coughs> further my education in these uh, same uh, you know schools with my uh, same friends and uh, classmates. But my father, he pulled me out of there. And I don't know if it was a financial uh, thing, but he- Well, you gotta figure he was paying over $100,000 a year, and this was in the 1980s. Yeah. Yeah, it was very expensive. It was extremely expensive. I had whatever I wanted. Uh, you know, I go to town and I just sign my name on anything. You know, like the shopping sprees. It was it was ballistic. I couldn't believe it. Um, so, this is something. Why do I keep on you know repeating that I was in school in boarding school in Switzerland? Uh, because after that, I did 16 years in prison. And that doesn't equate. You know. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, yeah, and and this is why uh, my story. Both been working on it for a long time, and it's it's truly inspirational, and it's uh, it's it's something out of nothing, 
you know, with people that had dreams and visions coming from other countries as immigrants, coming to this great country and making it big, legitimate. And uh, since my father was influenced by a lot of uh, underground criminals, uh, he fell into that loop and became uh, probably one of the greatest criminals of all time. I mean, in all of history. You know. And it's never hurt anybody. Are you okay? Yeah. By no, the way, the one coughing isn't me. That's that's Mark C.G. Boyer. For the person who wrote the Rude Review on iTunes about me coughing all the time, it's Mark. Cough, cough. Okay. Uh, listen, there's not a story <laughs> written or unwritten. Uh, this is an un untold true story, and it's it, your jaw is going to drop to the floor. You know, well, I know whose jaw is going to drop is going to be the feds when they realize how they didn't see what was going on. Yeah, well, they seen what was going on. They just couldn't stop it. <laughs> <laughs> and even when they could, they didn't. <laughs> How can you? And um, Well, the corruption well, in, in, New York, in the NYPD at that time was uh, so endemic. You know, uh, first and foremost, I'm, I'm presenting this to, uh, to everyone as an artist because this is a masterpiece, I swear to you. It, it's so visually appealing. Uh, the characters, the cornucopia is, is is just something that you want to fall in love with. Well, I've fallen in love already. Let's get to the Christmas miracle. Okay, yes. Um, there was this one heist that I did. It was uh, during Christmas, around this time, probably uh, today. Yeah. Maybe this is kind of the anniversary day. anniversary date of the oh, heist. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, and, um, okay. This was, this was a high-end uh, pearl job. Uh, he had, uh, this person had probably the most exclusive uh, South Tea pearls, and I'm talking about necklaces that half a million dollars back in 1990. Wow, that's uh, what a half a million dollars was a half a million dollars. Well, today it, it's much more, you know, because uh, our dollar is, is, you know, inflation. So all these heists that I've done that were like $10 million, this, this heist was a $10 million heist for us. Um, it's, it's probably like a $70, $80 million heist today, in today's time. So I just want people to, to understand the dollar worth, all right, because this was 1990. And uh, what happened, it was just me. Uh, another fellow named Edo, Eddie, and he's another professional that learned how to open states uh, through the the teacher that we had. And he, you know, he was quick. He was he was just as good as I was, and I used to use him on a lot of uh, on, on a lot of good good jobs that I had. So this one was uh, a pearl job that I found that I could open the safe in less than you know. Uh, 20 seconds, and and we took all the, the merchandise out, and we filled up two big bags, and then I took another bag, so like three bags, and we had to make our way back to the office. <laughs> uh, while we were climbing, you know, in the backyard of 27th Street in the Diamond District, we, uh, we had a, you know, it's a maze. So... It's like one of these competitions that you have to look at, you know, that uh, The Rock is doing, for example, you know, like... You like American through. Ninja. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, like a, it's like a course that you have to run through and get to the office in time before the cops come and before they get to the backyard, so it was, it was a race. 
And uh, this particular job, we had Carlos Medina, which was the home security armed guard. This was one of our first like attempts, you know, that we that we did together. And uh, I almost made a mistake because uh, the glass. We, I had to break the the glass. Uh, I used keys to get in to open the safe, and then I left. But then I had to make it look like I didn't have keys, so I broke. Uh, the glass, which was his door. His door was made out of all glass. And uh, these pieces, the glass pieces, went into the open safe. Uh-oh. So when the cops come and they see this, they'll be like, oh, my God, this is an inside job. Yeah. Why? Because there's glass already inside the safe, and, you know, and anybody can figure it out, you know. Um, so this guy actually saved us by saying... He took his flashlight, and, and there was some existing glass pieces over his head, so he took his flashlight and hit it so it doesn't, uh, you know... Cut himself. You know, so he doesn't get cut, and that's the reason why the glass was in the safe. Smart a, thinking oh, on his part. Yeah, very fast thinking. And uh, so Carlos was fantastic with me. He was uh, an actual criminal that was working in a uniform with an armed gun, you know, and he was one of the... Well, he wasn't a manager, but he was one of the higher uh, dispatchers, you know, the, the guards that get dispatched. He was one of them, and he was the first guy that I approached. So, I mean, he, this was a Christmas miracle for him that we met, <laughs> uh, you know, a year before, that, uh, before this time. And ever since then, we've been rocking and rolling. So let me get back to the story with uh, Eddie. So I climbed down this uh, 16-foot uh, wall, and I only have one bag or two. I can't remember how many bags I had, but I remember I get down first. And he well, these bags are heavy, with... aren't they? Yeah, you're carrying rocks. I mean, that's exactly, you know, you're carrying rocks. It's very heavy. They're probably like 50, 60, 70 pounds each, you know? Um, and, uh, and you're carrying pearls and gold and diamonds, you know? So, so yeah, they're very heavy. So he, he has the best bags. And he swings his bag over, like to get a better footing. And when he swings the bag over, it pulls him down not only 15 feet, but he falls another 25 feet into this pit. Jeez, was and he I dead? I, I thought he was dead. I was like, oh my God, this guy just disappeared on me in, 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 in the nighttime in the backyard of 47th Street. He just disappears and falls in this pit that's 25 feet down and he could have cracked his head and I'm thinking he's dead and I'm like you know carefully whispering Ido Ido and I hear some mumbling and he's like uh, uh, yeah and I, the first thing I say drop the bags you know I didn't even say yo you're right are you alive I was just like throw the bags up you know that's all I was thinking about was the, the bag. <laughs> How compassionate. <laughs> yeah. hey, we gotta, hey, we have to take a 60-second break to hear the rest of the story. We'll be right back on True Crime Uncensored. interrupting obsession with you 24 hours a day on any phone or device and it's all free just go to your friendly app store and search for outlaw radio 
Then look for the red letters on the sign with the bullet holes in it and download it. It's free. Listen free on the road, in your car, at the beach, or in your backyard. It's all free from Outlaw Radio. This is Buddy Twist saying goodnight from Hollywood. And now, back to True Crime Uncensored, formerly hosted by Burl Bear <laughs> and Don Waldman. But Don Waldman is dead. Oh, True geez. Crime Unsplintered, Burl Bear and Howard Lapidus. And Mark C.G. Boyer. You know. <laughs> Speaking of which... Uh, on Anchor FM and on iTunes and everything, I just uploaded some classic shows with Don Waldman on them and a great interview with Gary C. King and a bunch of other people. Anyway, uh, to recap, if you just joined us, uh, they were doing this diamond heist, uh, not diamond heist, it was a pearl heist, and they got these heavy, heavy bags, and uh, Eddie throws the bag like over his shoulder and it pulls him off the, the wall, off the fire escape or whatever, and he falls what would be certainly to his death into the darkness behind 47th okay. Street. No more excuse. Boom. And, oh. And you called out, the bags, the bags, toss up the bags. You might ask if he's alive. How hurt was he? Yeah, uh, miraculous, miraculous. He fell on top of an air conditioning unit. And on top of an air conditioning unit, you know, you know there's like a fan? Mm hmm And, you know, that... Uh, gave him a little comfort when he fell. If he <laughs> fell any 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 way differently, he would have been dead. It's very jagged back there, and um, as I said, there was cops that fell back there when they were chasing us because they don't know the layout, and uh, I was the only one that could run through there. And it was, as I said, it's one of these courses that you just run through. I just want to thank you, Burl, and Howard, and, and everybody that's, you know, that got me back on the show to tell you about this, because it's really, uh, it's just amazing stuff. And if you guys want to see pictures, if you have uh, Instagram, just go to Punch Approved, and, and you could see the whole show there and follow me. And you're yeah, you got it. some incredible pictures. Yeah. But back to the story. So listen, so now I get the guy out. You know, I help him out the ditch. I get the bags. I remember coming back to the office. And always, these guys now, remember, these guys are professional uh, workers. You know, they have a, a construction company or a truck company or, you know, something like that. And they're working with me. I'm running the crew. And they're just like my muscle. And they have to be fast and just as strong. So, uh, I don't know how old Eddie was, probably like around 34, 35, 36, you know. But this guy was making major, major bank with me. And I remember coming back into the office, and uh, we opened the bags. And he's like, how much do we have here? And, and I was like, wow, I mean, if this stuff is real, it's worth millions. Because these are, uh, I'm talking about 15, 16, 17 millimeter pearls. Whoa. Uh, Half an inch big, like they're huge. They're like uh, w w 
Wilma, uh, Wilma from, uh, Flintstone wore around her neck. Yeah, yeah like that. <laughs> she really, wore those every day. <laughs> half a million dollars. Half a million dollars are strands, you know, on these, uh, you know, they go up 10000 20000 a pearl. Like, wow, I was, I was impressed. And I never really knew much about pearls because this is where I learned. You have South Sea, South Ocean, you know, different types of Mikimoto, you know, different types of ways of culturing pearls. And I got into, like, a whole half a year of just feeling from pearl uh, uh, companies. And you see, pearl companies, if they make an elegant pearl necklace that's going to be worth a half a million dollars or a million dollars in Tiffany's, because be between the pearls, they put like diamonds, you know, like little discs, discs mm -hmm. of diamonds and the clasps that are made of diamonds. And the clasp alone could go for twenty, thirty thousand $30,000. Just the clasp for the pearls. And now, to get into another story, another Christmas miracle. Yeah. Which was like probably a week after. Yeah. This job, I was with Ronko. Ronko Michkovic, a very big time criminal that's in Podgorica in Montenegro. And uh, shout out to uh, Mila Kali, this uh, beautiful model actress that's from that country, from Montenegro. Um, uh, this, this story was when we did Mr. Clasp. Now, Mr. Clasp is a company on uh, 55 West 47th Street, which is the world's largest exchange, and that's where a lot of stuff happened with, uh, remember the drug money, the $23 million right. that I left behind? And, yeah, well, that's the same building. And it was very close to my building, and that's why I like to work, you know, because it was close. I didn't have to, you know, go far, far uh, into the block, into the backyard, and uh, I could attack... Uh, any business, you know, from anywhere, from any angle. It was very easy for us to do this. The story is sensational, and I'm so excited. I'm so excited that you guys, you know, because you guys uh, really gave me a big boost, and I have a lot of followers, you know, all over, all over the world. And I, yeah, I understand I, you're incredibly popular in Russia and in uh, yeah. uh, Europe. I think you're a superstar. Our radio is responsible for this. I'm not joking. I'm, I'm telling you guys the truth, because, you know, they can hear me uh, from over here now. And, uh, I, you know, I'm just glad that people see the process. And I know when, you know, when the movie comes out, I have a whole bunch of NDAs that I had to sign, so I can't really talk much about it. But the things that I can talk about are, are, are great, and they're just, you know, amazing. So this one... This job, this heist, uh, I'm going to dedicate this one to Howard Lapidus because he loves these. Um, <laughs> he does. Ronco, he does, yeah. Yeah. Ronco, Ronco and I, we uh, go to the 55 Exchange, and I'm looking around, and they have a booth downstairs, and, and these are people that specialize in, in class, in class, because now I have, I don't know, maybe a couple million dollars in pearls. <coughs> You know, to put classes on so I can sell them. You know what I mean? Because I have, yeah. So I resell it back into the industry. And my mother was the best for this. Oh my God, she was the best. Like, um, not only that she was beautiful, but that she was gorgeous. I mean, she was a model, you know, for, for crying out loud. Oh, your mother is gorgeous. To yeah. this day, your mother is gorgeous. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. She, she's absolutely, uh, uh, I mean, the best mother that any kid could ever have because she took me out of a lot of problems. And I would have been dead if it wasn't for her a long time ago. Uh, so this job, I see, I see the pieces, and it's all flooded in diamonds. 
and you know the price tags are are, are, are outrageous. And I'm like, well, you know, I need to buy. I'm in the industry, and I give them a card, not my business card, but somebody else's, you know, from another company, and uh, and they invite me to their to their office, to their factory. So I go to the factory, and it's called Mr. Class, and. And they show me the vault and everything, and I couldn't believe it. I run downstairs with Ronco to my father, and I'm like, we got to do this job tonight. And it's Christmas Eve. Wow. It's Christmas Eve. And, uh, and, and, I, and we put it together. I get the bags ready. I get the punch because I seen that the vault that they had was a punch vault. And I can get into that in 16 seconds. So it's like <laughs> I got the keys to the place. Like... And, and this place was just loaded. Mr. Class was just loaded with gold and diamonds. That's it. He, he didn't have pearls. Just gold and diamonds. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. <laughs> yeah. And the whole entire... Now, while I was in the safe, while I, while I opened the safe, within, all I had to do was pop the window open with two crowbars, round one eye, on three. I opened it. And oh yeah, as a matter of fact, they had I had to use the BMW jack because they had bars on the window. That was their security, <laughs> which couldn't stop us, right? And uh, as soon as I stretched the bars, I opened the window. I ran in there. Um, the alarm went on, so the siren was going to start blaring. I knocked it off the hinges with my sledgehammer, and the siren or whatever camera they had, I just took it just. I, I uh, dismantled it real quick mm -hmm. and ran right to the vault, which was in front of me, which I'd seen that day because I was in there right. earlier. And I popped it open. I, 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 I you know, the, the, the dial, I, I hit it with my hammer, with my five-pound mallet. I took off the, the, the hinge, the, the, the neural, and I pushed it in with the punch, and, and I, was, I was in. And inside was nothing but diamonds and diamonds and more diamonds and it was just golden diamonds like everything the whole vault that must have been and, inspiring oh, yeah it was like 400 square feet vault so it's like a little little bedroom you know like that big and uh, Ronco was outside uh, taking all the jewel, all the gold pieces, they, there's findings. When you have a findings, like, you know, little pieces that you use to, to set up the jewelry, to right. put the jewelry, to make the... Well, all that was in, like, in plastic boxes and bins, and he was just emptying out these plastic uh, boxes into the bags. The bag was around his neck. He's opening the bag with his left hand. With his right hand, he's taking these, these trays and just dumping them. Right. Just dumping them. There's no cover, nothing. There's just and and systematically, I'm emptying out the vault, and uh, I filled up two bags. He filled up two bags, and uh, and then we had to get the bags down, which we did with uh, rope. It's really fast, so I don't have to carry it. And uh, climbed up to my father's uh, office. The cops are coming, and, meanwhile, right? They, they were sticking their head out the window already. <laughs> that fast, though. I was watching them from my roof, yeah. And I think they, we're, uh, we're taking another quick break so our local stations can identify themselves because they, they're having an identity crisis. We'll be right back in 60 seconds on True Crime Uncensored.
grab it a good cigar anytime you want it, get the Outlaw Radio app. It's on Apple and Android 3. Just go to your app store and search for Outlaw Radio. Then look for the red highway sign with the bullet holes in it. Download and listen anytime, 24 hours a day. It's all free from the demons of decadence, Magic Matt Allen, and Outlaw Radio. OutlawRadioLive.com And now, back to True Crime Uncensored, formerly hosted by Burl Bear and Don Waldman. But Don Waldman is dead. True Crime Unsplintered, Burl Bear and Howard Lapidus. And Mark C.G. Boyer. You know. Yeah, I know. The guy who's coughing. It's not me. It's Bart. Cough, 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 cough. We're back. Hi, I'm Burl Bear, the man who's not coughing. Hi, Burl Bear. And you're Mark C.G. Boyer. We're black and we're proud. That's right. we got a plan to stick it to the man, and the man can't bust our music. Black and Decker. I love it. Remember that? The man can't bust our music. That was MGM uh, Records uh, uh, slogan. Oh, yeah. And we're back with our, our guest, the uh, the world's greatest safe cracker, according to uh, the U.K. magazine. He just did a big article about him and uh, interviewed me in the process. And I thought that was very nice. Them gave a plug to Outlaw Radio. Excellent. So we're all delighted about that. <laughs> and you know, we like any publicity we could get uh, to make up for those uh, reviews that someone keeps posting on iTunes about how I'm irritating I am. I can't uh, can't argue with him. Uh, <laughs> hey, what's true is true. Uh, Punch, uh, so there you are uh, with uh, Rado, and uh, you're loading up these bags, and the cops are coming. You make it out of there, swinging on ropes like Tarzan on a vine. Yeah, I'm Punch approved, and uh, you know how it goes. Like, uh, we're doing the best thing. We're doing the best we can, you know, and we're the best in the business. Now we have millions of dollars. Um, any type of car that I wanted to buy, I just buy it. Uh, and I didn't even have to pay the guy. Just, you know, yeah, sure, I'll, you know, come get it later. You know, like, I'm good for it, you know. And I could have got probably like a million dollars in jewelry on a handshake, on consignment, anywhere on 47th Street. I had Hasidic Jews uh, uh, throwing diamonds to me, like, you know, like you, you won't believe it. Because, you know, they think... And, you know, they think that we are legit and we are, you know, making all these moves legitimately. Uh, I mean, we were a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. But, yeah. But, now, you, we have to remind the audience that the people you are robbing are not upset that they're being robbed. No, absolutely not. Listen, we're not scumbags. Can I say that? Yes. Yeah, we're not bad people, all right? The reason why we're not bad people is because any owner of a $5 million insured jewelry firm or corporation is he wants a Christmas present, and that's for him to get his, not $5 million in jewelry, because they don't have $5 million in jewelry. That's inflated three times over. So, you know, he's going to have his, like, million dollars, million and a half uh, dollars in jewelry uh, compensated by a $5 million check in seven days, seven to 14 days, and he's a happy camper. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and, uh, uh, the, the ones that weren't happy were Home Security, Wells Fargo, DMW, DGA, uh, Jewelers Protection Agency, these security firms that 
are extremely uh, old names, old money. I'm talking about like Wells Fargo. I mean, you know, the, you know, this is we're talking about the 1800s. These people have been, you know, been doing this, and my father somehow figured out a way to reverse this extortion. Okay, that's legitimate. Uh, it's like a protection they don't racket. Pay protection racket. They don't want to pay. Uh, insure the mob, and they used to get hit just as fast. So there was no escape from this. All right, this was this was political, and this was billions of dollars being funneled. And my father put a stop to a lot of it because he just rerouted the fu the funding. Back to, Back to the victims. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. What I find fascinating is that it turns out there was always a direct link between the mob and the insurance companies. Because after all, who knows the protection racket better than the mob? Yeah, yeah. And they go to, like, legitimate people. I'm talking about union guys, you know. I'm, you know, this is, you know, I'm not talking about, they don't go to mobsters. This is all high legitimate uh, corporate stuff. You know, it's just that you're in New York. And you have to understand who's controlling New York at the time. So I legitimately had, listen, Bosco Radoncic, who was the Westies' boss in 1987, 88, all right? Yeah. I was with uh, Mike after that and Zoran Yakshich, uh 89, 90, 91, when, when Bosco left to, uh, to Zlatibor and to Belgrade, and he went back to Serbia, uh, you know, during the war. Yeah, running a nightclub. <laughs> Oh, he, he had he had casinos, nightclubs. He became a billionaire over there. What are you kidding me? He had it all. And he was begging my father to come. He was like, come on, come on. You know well, your dad was begging you to stop and go over, go with him, to he retire. Said, my father, didn't, didn't I tell you in the story that my father was begging me in 1993, 94? He was like, listen, come back to uh, Serbia or Yugoslavia, where, whatever, you know, I mean, it used to be called Yugoslavia. Now it's Serbia, Croatia, Montenegro, yeah. it's all broken up. Bosnia, it's all broken up. But he says, if I went back there, I would have had a mall, a mall, like, like the Sulphurs in uh, Florida, you know, uh, John Sulphur and all these guys, a mall. I would have owned a mall, jewelry stores, nightclubs, I would have been the king of the world over there. That's right. Anything I wanted. And I, and, and I told my father, nah, I'm not interested. I was in love with a girl over here, I guess. And he loved us crazy uh, stuff to you because look how my father left this country. And that was a disrespect to his family by him uh, jumping the border of a communist country and coming to the United States to steal. Like, you know, he was in the newspapers. Well, he was also, he was, your father is, because he's still alive, so well-respected in New York <coughs> that even when there were over 100 newspaper articles supposedly creating a linkage between your father, your mother, and the famous Fiskea Museum heist, which was, wasn't even really a heist, uh, of uh, fortune and, uh, and precious silver, etc., it did not cause any drop in his prestige in New York. Oh. No. Not, not a bit. As a, matter of fact, as a matter of fact, it probably, you know, it was Wall Street Journal, and it probably, in Europe, it, it made him a legendary status. Because he's with Alex Katalanovich, who's a Croatian uh, <laughs> uh, 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 a person that, that was born in Belgrade, you know? And this was big, because back then it was only Yugoslavs, all right? And look who he's dealing with, you know? One of the biggest criminals 
of like in, in the United States that came from the Balkans. And uh, listen, I'm just like very, I'm, I'm just so humbled to retell these stories with honor and with integrity because nobody ratted, nobody told on anybody, statute of limitations expired, and now we can talk about it and make movies about it, which is a beautiful thing. And it's a story that, it's a love story. It's a story about the love for money. And it's a story about influence, uh, bad influence, which is the mob and uh, bad criminals that were attached to my family. And uh, my Well, that's one of the problems. If you're going to break the law, you're going to find yourself having to interact <laughs> with criminals. Yeah. That's and, the problem. Uh, and illness is, more, that illness is more contagious than health. Yeah. My father had the, the respect of everyone, including John Gotti, like in New York, mm -hmm. before he was boss. So... The only person John Gotti's buying champagne for is my father in Regimes or in uh, Columbus Cafe. Uh, shout out to Paul, Paul Herman, who's an actor in L.A. right now and makes movies over there. That's a good friend of ours from New York that we stole in Columbus Cafe and we used to all hang out there. John Gotti used to hang out there, you know? Paulie Walnut from Sopranos used to be at the bar, uh, you know, wanting a free drink. <laughs> and uh, every actor in L.A. that used to come to New York in the 80s and 90s used to go to Columbus Cafe. This is a fact. That's right. Howard's sitting there nodding his head. Oh, Howard knows. Yeah, Howard knows. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows. It's right next to, uh, right next to ABC. Yeah. It's right next to one of those uh, what, 69th and Columbus Avenue or something. Like. And my father's restaurant was the first Mexican restaurant on 72nd and Columbus. And then Panarella's was on 85th between 84th and 85th on Columbus, Panarella's was our headquarters. That was our, uh, our northern Italian restaurant, which had three floors, and my father helped Nicola Rebrecca uh, make that, you know, because my father started him, you know, in, in the United States. Three floors? Why, why, why three floors? What was with the three floors? Many people. <laughs> what was with the three floors, Punch? What was that? What? Why the three floors in Panarellas? What's what was going on on the three different floors? Well, you have the basement, which everybody used to go down and sniff coke. All right, the best <laughs> yeah. coke in the world was in Panarellas, and that's why it was a popular place in the eighties and nineties. It, it actually opened nineteen eighty two or eighty three, and it was just a perfect hangout. Uh, the mob used to come there, uh, you know, like, and then couple of blocks down is Columbus Cafe, so we used to go from, you know, from place to place, and uh, it was only uh, big criminals, uh, you know, rotating around these circles, and real wise guys, I mean, guys that are doing life in jail, guys that are dead right now, guys that are war criminals, you know, I mean, that's where Big Gishka came, uh, Bozovic, she came to Panorama, that's where we were out, hanging out. You yeah, know, he came uh, to set up a, a, a Serbian mafia franchise in New York. Yeah, he's the one that started that in New York. Absolutely, that's what uh, Alex Vitabas uh, uh, told you, and uh, he reminded me what was going on because he knew everything and everybody, and uh, <laughs> nobody would listen. Nobody. There's no story with uh, a magnitude of this nature. Nothing like it in the world. All right, that the was thing is, on. is that no one knew about the story because you had to keep your damn mouth shut until the statute of limitations ran out. 
and that's another thing. And I was in prison, and people in prison didn't know what I was going through and what it was really, because I couldn't talk. I couldn't say anything, you know? And, um, and that's why it survived so long, and that's why other organizations that were criminals did not, and they crashed and burned very quickly because they fly too close to the sun, and uh, they, they're not prepared. They, they don't have, they don't have the, the equipment to fly that high for long. <coughs> you have to have brains and ethics to, be, to live outside the law. You must be honest. <laughs> the skyline of Manhattan, because not only he was in the construction business in the 70s, I mean, listen, he's the one that was being tailored by Pierre Balmont. Balmont today is a label that's uh, like Versace, Prada, uh, you know, it's, it's a very, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big label today. My father was getting personally tailored by him uh, in New York when he used to come from Paris, Fashion Week. My father used to, you know, he used to make like eight suits custom for my father and like two, three suits for me. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's a legend, this guy. My father's a legend, a real legend. Like, he lived a life, and, and, I'm, and I'm sitting back, you know, with 16 years in prison, 21 years totally, I mean, total, you know, I had a, I was a, a subject to the state, and my father never went through that. He lived a life of, of movies in Hollywood. <laughs> like, you know, the guy's James Bond, man. You know, a real, a real, a real James Bond. You know what's fascinating is that your your uh, father's father was best friends with the guy who was Ian Fleming's inspiration for James Bond. That's right. That's right. I just found that uh, fascinating. That's where they learned by looking at his father and looking at uh, bicycle. Yeah, bicycle. Uh, yeah, look at him. They were so smooth, so suave, so debonair. <laughs> they came from the same town. That's Novi Sad. This is what I was telling you, that these guys are so swagged. They're so swagged out with name brands. Listen, if we go there now, I guarantee you, shout out to, uh, to my man Dushan, uh, these guys are, are walking around with uh, Valencia and, and, and Javinci and Gucci. I'm talking about $10,000 sweatsuits, you know, and they're rocking one uh, every day. They, they only rock one, and that's it. You'll never see it again. You know, these guys have it like that. Uh, that's that's the swagger that comes from, from over there. These guys are real, you know, you don't want to, they're the ones that create, the, you know, these uh, ultra fashions. You know, listen, criminals always been in style, all right? Always. And you know that, since Al Capone, and, you know, Lucky Luciano, uh, the guy that came out in California, uh, Bugsy Siegel, right? Name of sugar, yeah. Always dressed nice. George Raft. <laughs> you know, a, a nice watch, nice shoes. They always had, you know, they had a, a, a status. And um, they were important people. They were important people for the community. And just like how my father was important for all the Yugoslavian people. And not, not only Yugoslavs, I'm talking about Polacks, Greeks. Anybody that came from Europe that needed a job <laughs> was working at Stanley Construction or Stanley Painting Company or uh, Gemstones Trading. Gallery International, those old companies that we owned, and the property that he owned, and the real estate. I mean, the guy's amazing. The way he his life uh, evolved is, is something out of a you know, coming book. Seriously, I mean, this is why this is why Burrow 
and and I we have this chemistry because Burrow is a is a, a masterful <laughs> legendary author that 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 put together uh, uh, pieces from okay. That's first of all. You have to be chosen for this, and he got an Edgar Award for it too. So. Yeah, my first book is all downhill from there. <laughs> but the thing is, you know, once you win an Edgar Award, it's like winning an Academy Award. They can't take it away from you. <laughs> I'm, I'm banking that this would be something award-winning, you know, because I know uh, Hollywood is not content-driven, but this is some content that should be driven hard and fast. Well, the thing is, once is once people know this story, it's going to be like oh, yeah. Jack the Ripper. It's going to be like, it'll be oh. fodder for stories, like just like The Godfather, for years and years and years. Because it even goes beyond the uh, the uh, Godfather one, two, and three. Because really, you have two generations and three decades of nonstop victimless crimes, where everyone's happy, including the cops who show up and pocket the diamonds. <laughs> including, including, including our friend, the cops, the NYPD. That's right. And uh, I want to give a shout out to Stan, uh, to Steven Stanulis. You know, great director. Hey, he's a nice guy too. We've had him on the show. He uh, did, uh, what's That's it right. called, uh, cop, sex cop with a badge, wanna, whatever it's called. I, I want to give a, I'm coming to L.A. to see my friend, this artist, his name is Toxic Mind. Not toxic, but like talk, like I talk to you. Yeah. Toxic Mind. He's a, an amazing uh, street artist from L.A., and I, 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 uh, I got, I got uh, really uh, cool with him, and he came here to our Basel. And this other artist named Kushkan, and you're going to be seeing a lot of them in next year's 2019 Art Basel, and they're going to be everywhere. So, listen, what I'm doing is this: being that I know what's good, and Burl there knows that I know what's good. Um, I'm fueled by talent. I'm fueled by art, by movies, and especially if it has anything to do with heists or diamonds or any type of sensational, uh, even, listen, even murders. Hey, well, you I didn't do any murders. No, listen, uh, no, I did not do any murders, but I was in the prison with a lot of murderers, murderers that are still in jail today, uh, famous hitmen. And they kind of became friendly with me because they didn't know who to talk to either. And uh, I was friendly, you know? You were there. Uh, you were an ear and they were a mouth. And you had someone to talk yeah, like, to. Hey, Punch, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. We've got to run. Oh, yeah, we're out of time. Thanks for the Christmas miracle and another great show. It's always fascinating to have you on. I just want to wish everybody a happy season greetings and a Merry Christmas and everything else. Thank you. Wonderful. Wonderful, Punch. Hey, bro. Yeah. What's next? Magic Matt Allen, the Demons of Decadence, live in the Lighting Up Lounge on Alla Radio Live.com.